0: So after I sat down, I looked down at my shoes and I realized something that I've learned is that so on today and uh, World Down Syndrome Day, you you wear different socks, right? So I'm rocking my socks. So I'm not just going to wear these and not point those out. So um, so much love through the socks there. Also, I want to where'd they go? Where'd they go? I'm going to single them out. I want to single out Christina and David. Um, something happened recently. You just want to show us what that what that was. Yeah, there's a ring on that finger there. So, so congratulations to David and Christina. So excited for you. For some reason, the first time I met David there early on dating, I just directly asked him the question what his intentions were with Christina. And uh, as I mentioned on the way in, I guess we found out. So uh, uh, we're excited for you guys. Uh, I invite you to join me in John chapter 11 and uh, we are journeying through Lent. We do not want to make the mistake of just jumping at Easter, celebrating resurrection, while not doing the work ahead of time. The reason we walk through Lent is that we want to, we want to walk this path that it doesn't feel good, this path of, um, of death, of mourning, of repentance, of sin. We want to walk this path so that when we get to Easter, we can really celebrate. I've had many people tell me that they have enjoyed and how good the journey to the cross book is, but every single one of them will pause after they say that and go like, well, it's been really hard actually as the book just keeps hitting this repentance and and the reality of sin. And so it's a long road, it's a long journey just like life is. When I was in college, my senior year, I found uh, with some buddies of mine a small cottage just four houses off of Lake Michigan. We would walk out our front door, we would turn and see the lake, Just a short walk, go down some steps, and we were on the beach. It was a beautiful place. A good friend of mine found a cottage on Lake Michigan as well, about a mile or two south of us. We were excited because we had been in the same dorms. He had lived across the street from me on campus, and so we were going to have another year where we were right near each other. But if you know Holland at all, where I went to school, there's a channel that goes into Lake Makatawa. I was on the north side, and he was on the south side. Although we were only a mile apart, We would have to drive all the way into town, through town, and then all the way back out the other side. And it was about a 25 to 30 minute drive, although it was about a mile or two away from each other, divided by this channel and lake. In our walk with the Lord, the Lord is close. He has given us the gift of Jesus, who drew near to us as humans. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is close with us. And the Lord is close, but sometimes it feels like this long drive this long path, this long, refining reality that we walk in. So often we want comfort now, we want resurrection now, we want peace now, when the development part, the journey part is of the utmost reality. And we face death in life. We face many deaths. In fact, many many mini-deaths along life's path. We face the mini-death of the loss of youthfulness, The loss of dreams. This last year, the loss of routines and stability. We lose relationships. heard someone recently say, who have you lost to COVID? And he goes, I don't mean death. I mean, relationally, who have you lost to COVID? Health, careers, friendships. We experience these many deaths along life's path, and they're painful. They hurt, and we feel them, and we should. It's not fun, it's not what we seek as human beings, but they're real. 18th century theologian and uh, pastor, Jonathan Edwards, he said, we are all the story of Job in the Bible. Now, Job lost everything very quickly, very quickly, painful loss. But what he says is, we are all the story of Job because we all lose everything as well. It's just more drawn out until finally that last day, that last breath, we finally lose physical life. So we experience deaths, and we face physical deaths of those that we love, those that we care for. Many of you have stood by bedsides. You have have gone to these deep, painful places of losing people, and it impacts us. Many deaths or physical death impacts us in radical ways. We are changed because of deaths. Pastor and author Peter Scazzaro says this. He says, we all face many deaths within our life. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, crushing our spirits in life, or open us up to new possibilities and depths of transformation in Christ. So we all face many deaths, but what do we do with them? I think in a lot of ways they, they crush us, but yet it's that opportunity for the Spirit to be revived, for us to be changed and to grow. So we're going to look at John 11 today, and hopefully you're there already. If not, invite you to turn there. We're going to be looking at a story which may be familiar. We're going to be looking at the story of Lazarus, his death, and those around him, how it impacted them. So, chapter 11 of John. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. Many of you have received phone calls in a similar way. You need to come. This person is sick. You need to be here. Come now. These are terrible phone calls, heart-wrenching phone calls to receive. But Jesus, he did something different. In receiving this news about his friend, about his loved one, verse 4 says this, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus, his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. See, the author is making really clear that this wasn't a casual acquaintance of Jesus, that these were individuals that Jesus loved. It wasn't just a friend. He loved these individuals. And we assume that Jesus would do the same thing we would, is just drop the phone and and run out the door. But Jesus is like, "Nah, we'll go in a couple days." See, Jesus has perspective and and we see his perspective in this is that he's like, "God's going to receive glory." And he's like, "I'm going to receive glory." And the disciples don't know it, but they're going to be impacted by this. But can you imagine Mary and Martha? They've sent word and they're waiting for Jesus to come. They're standing there going like oh. Oh, looking down the road, like Jesus, you coming? You know, asking the people that they sent, Did you did you really send word? Did you really talk to Jesus? Did you clearly tell him what we said to you? <sighs> Where's Jesus at? And a day passes, and then another day. Have you been there? As hope seems to slip away, as life seems to slip away, as situations seem to slip away, have you been there where you've been crying out to Jesus? And you look, and there's not anyone coming. Like, where's Jesus? This hope is slipping away. Mary and Martha, they waited, and, and Lazarus slipped away. They, I'm sure, felt misunderstood and forgotten. And not cared for like we often do. Like you have prayed and prayed and prayed. And you feel like God is doing nothing. You feel forgotten. You feel that pain like they did. Verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. Talking about Judea. And yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they will see this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. I mean, so the the disciples are like, Okay, we got to go take care of Lazarus. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going there to wake him up. And the disciples are like, that's rude. Let the man sleep. He's sick. Right? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're not getting the point. And then he says says this next, which is probably even more confusing to the disciples. Verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay, well, thank you for that gentle comment there. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. What? What? This seems to be just getting more and more insensitive. Like, Jesus, where are you going with this? I thought you loved him. Now you're saying you're glad that you weren't there? And he says this, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. See, Jesus is doing something to to increase belief, increase faith for all who are involved in the scene. Verse 16, then Thomas, who's throwing a comment in there, also known as Didymus, Said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, also go, so that we may die with him. See, the individuals in this narrative are going to soon discover something. They're going to soon discover something that they probably already knew, but they weren't necessarily thinking in the moment like we often do not think in the moment. Is that God is the God of outcomes? We try to jump to outcomes, we try to create outcomes. Whereas God is the God of outcomes, we as human beings are to participate in the process leading to the outcome that God has. See, in this situation, Mary and Martha had no idea what was going on. The disciples had no idea what was going on, but Jesus did. And in your situation that you're facing, that you're walking through, that you're coming out of, is that. God is the God of the outcome. You are to participate in the process. But as we're going to see here in just a moment, you're not alone. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Have you ever been late for something? This, this does not look very good for Jesus right here, right? I mean, have you ever been late for curfew? Remember that as a teen? Getting home and maybe mom or dad's sitting there on the couch just going like, hmm. Or maybe you've been late for work and your boss is staying there. Or maybe even something like this is that your friends, your family calls you because someone had died or been sick and for whatever reason you didn't show up until a long time later. It's uncomfortable walking into those situations. And Martha here is not going to make it any easier. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Martha's like, all right, Jesus, it's on. Running out there. Mary's like, nope, I'm just staying here. I can't, I can't handle this. So we all handle grief differently. We all process loss and pain differently. Some confront it, run right at it. Others are just are staying back. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that to God? Maybe not exactly those words, but have you ever said, Lord, if you had fill in the blank. See, Martha's saying that if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And maybe we, in our grief and our loss, we're saying, God, if if you had done this thing, you had not given this person that job, if you had protected their car, if, if you had not given them this, or allowed this disease to take over their body, or you, whatever, if you had fill in the blank. We respond often like Martha does. But yet she does something really interesting in her grief. She proclaims faith and confidence and trust, even in this saying, Verse 22 says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever To your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And so here, there's, Martha's misunderstanding Jesus in this moment. She simply is thinking Jesus is just throwing out simple phrases to try to comfort her, to give her sympathy like so many other people had. I mean, it's like people, when you've lost a loved one, people have said these things, which by the way, just mental note, these are not the most helpful things to say when someone has lost someone. In these moments, even though you may mean it in the best intention, they were just saying things like, he's in a better place now. He's no longer in pain. He's at peace. Be thankful for the years that you had with him. Again, not helpful. Just store this away when you go to a a memorial sometime is that Martha misunderstood Jesus' his comments as just empty words trying to make her feel better. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're, you're missing the point of what I'm saying to you. Some of the, the most impactful words in Scripture he says next, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not some event or something else out there, like I'm here. I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is quite possibly the most important question in all of Scripture for every single human being to answer. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? He's asking Martha, Is that you have experienced loss and death? It is raw and real and in front of you, but I am the resurrection and the life. I am above and beyond this reality. I am greater than the death that you're facing. Do you believe in me that there is life beyond this death? There's life beyond life. I am. And this is the central message of Jesus Christ, that there's suffering and there's death, and out of suffering and death, there's resurrection And transformation. The Lenten season, suffering and death, Easter and beyond, resurrection and transformation. It's painful and it's powerful. For it's only out of death that resurrection is possible. So if we skip the death of Jesus on the cross and we jump right to resurrection, we've missed a key point of the narrative. Jesus even said this of his death in the next chapter. He said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I love how author Parker Palmer, he talked about autumn. Think of the season autumn. He said, Autumn is a season of great beauty. We love the color on the trees, right? But those trees, those leaves are dying, producing this color. He says this but it is also a season of decline. The days grow shorter, the light is suffused, and summer's abundance decays towards winter's death. In my own experience of autumn, I am rarely aware that the seeds that the seeds are being planted. But as I explore autumn's paradox of dying and seeding, I feel the power of the metaphor. In the autumnal events of my own experience, I am easily fixated on the surface appearances on the decline of meaning, the decay of relationships, the death of a work. And yet, if I look more deeply, I may see the myriad possibilities being planted to bear fruit in some season yet to come. So what he's saying is that you may see death, you may see it unfolding, but what we're not seeing is the seeds being planted in the ground, being prepared for the next season of life. Death is painful, it hurts, it is horrible to walk through, but there's seeds being planted, whether they're many deaths or whether they're death itself. There's seeds being planted as possibilities in relationships, in jobs, in finances, in whatever it may be. Pain doesn't feel like possibility or a promise, it just feels like pain. But the Lord is doing something. Verse 27, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. If God is the God of outcomes, if Jesus knew the outcome, why in the world did he weep? He knew what he was going to do. He knew what was to come. He knew not only of life now, but life eternal. Why did he weep? I think Jesus wept because he looked around and he saw the heartbreak of the people who were there. He saw the pain. He saw the brokenness. He saw the loss. And so he participated. And I think it was a sincere participation. And I want to suggest to you is that the same thing is true for you. Is that in your pain, in your loss, in your brokenness, when you weep, Jesus weeps. When you cry, Jesus cries. When you're brokenhearted, Jesus is brokenhearted because he's close. He's nearby. Even when you're standing at the road looking down going like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Jesus wept sincerely because his heart was broken as he was with the people. Jesus is closer than you know. I think of what the psalmist said, that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. So again, if you're in trouble, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you're broken, if you're sad, whatever this is, he's an ever-present help. That means he's here. He's with you. He is your refuge and your strength now, not, God, where are you? Where are you? Because I ask you this question. When Mary and Martha sent the people to Jesus to tell him about Lazarus, did he receive the message? Yep, he did. He did. And I want to tell you the same thing, is that when you pray, when you cry out, God hears you too that first time, and that second time, and that third time. But I want you to know he heard you the first time. Even if you're standing there going like, he didn't hear me, he didn't get the message. He heard you. He heard that prayer, that heartbreak. He is there with you. Last part of this. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of this blind man have kept this man from dying? So, again, this question if you had only been here, Jesus. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So I tell you this morning, is that when it seems like God is not coming or not present or not walking down that road, He's at work. When it seems like Jesus is late, he is present. When it seems like all it is is pain, that's process. And Jesus calls us to be still and to know that he is God. Be still and to know that he is God. The road may be long, even though we know that the Father is close, that the Holy Spirit is with us. That road may feel extremely long, but he's not forsaken you. He's not left you. He hears you when you cry out. That he meets you in your disappointment and your pain and your brokenness. He knows it. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you in every death you face. So may our trust and our confidence and our faith increase in the season as we dig in, as we hold on, knowing we serve a God of the outcome, and we get to participate in the process that he's with us too. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this narrative that we just heard. I thank you for the fact that God, that you loved Lazarus, that you loved Mary, you loved Martha, and God, you weren't late. Lord, I thank you that you work in your times, even though that is so difficult. And so, Father, for each person who hears these words, who's in the middle of something, and it just feels like waiting and pain and brokenness and questions and confusion, whatever it may look like, that we would know and proclaim again with trust and faith that you are the God of God. Outcomes, and yet you walk with us in the process too. So, Father, increase our faith, increase our um, just just presence to the moment. Lord, thank you that you care. Thank you that you continue to refine and to grow and to change us, whether it just seems minute or whether you're taking leaps of you're taking leaps and bounds right now. But Father, you know the situations embodied in this room and embodied online at home right now. God, I thank you that you're there. I thank you that you're working. Lord, we ask for your continued just work in us and through us. And Father, if you want to pray for the person who has never made a commitment to you, maybe today is that day, that first step of saying yes to you. that has just experienced these deaths and, Lord, do you want to give them life? Father, that they would just simply pray, God, in their heart and their mind, just something like this. God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, against others. And, God, today I confess that sin. Lord, I believe that you're taking my sin. You took my sin on the cross. God, and you are that substitute, that sacrifice, instead of me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the word that says that Jesus is the only way to you, the Father. And so today I proclaim Jesus as my Savior, and I want to follow after you as my Lord. And Father, for each one of us, thank you that you go with us, that you care for us, that you meet us where we're at. So Lord, as we continue to journey towards Easter, towards the cross, we pray your ongoing blessing, peace, protection, guidance, and insight in us. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. (laughs)